Diffusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings and welcome to your friendly neighbourhood science program, Diffusion Science Radio, coming to you live from the studios of 2SCR in Sydney during 2SCR's annual subscriber drive. It's 6.30pm, my name is Mark West, and this week we are talking about the science of friendship, love and sex. And we here at Diffusion are your friends with benefits. Joining me today is that deep-voiced young man, Ian Wolfe, sometimes known as Old Spice, and also here in the studio is our old friend from across the Atlantic, currently panelling for us, our old friend Victoria Bond. How are you two both today? Hi, Mark. I'm well. How are you? I'm quite well. How's your uh, voice? Are you still doing Old Spice this week? It changes a lot. (laughs) Well, we've uh, all been broadcasting science on 2SCR for a few years now. And if if you would like to continue to hear intellectual and alternative science radio, then please subscribe to... to Diffusion, well not to Diffusion, but to 2SCR, by calling 9514-9500. That's 9514-9500. Or you can subscribe online at helloradiomyoldfriend.com.au. That's www.helloradiomyoldfriend.com.au. By subscribing to the station, you can help 2SCR stay on air. Well, you'll be guaranteed some awesome gifts, but you'll go into the running for some awesome prizes. And if you mention Diffusion when you sign up, I will personally give you a cuddle. Guaranteed. I will go to your house and give you a cuddle. I will drive there, doesn't matter if you live in Penrith, and I'll give you a cuddle. Because that's what old friends do. Because we're the show with benefits. Now, guys, how much does it actually cost to subscribe? It's pretty cheap, isn't it? $66. $66, that's not, a lot. that's not a lot. That's about a cup of coffee every day, isn't it? And it's even less if you're a student like me, $33. Ah. Now, what are some of the bigger packages you can get? Because I know that if you're a passionate subscriber, you uh, there are some pretty awesome prizes that are available. Well, if you're a passionate subscriber, you uh, instantly are in the running, I think, for two tickets to Pete's Ridge Festival, which is a fantastic... Is that passionate? No, that's a lifetime. That's a lifetime. That's yeah. a lifetime. So if you buy a lifetime subscription, which is $600, you get tickets to the Pete Fridge Festival, which is a fantastic music festival. Okay. And uh, Ian, you've got your eye on the uh, digital internet radios, don't you? I do. If you are a passionate subscriber, $120, then you could win one of 10 Ox internet digital radios. And these are pretty much the way of the future, aren't they? Most radio is going to be delivered over the internet at some point. like we're heading in that general direction. That means we can have listeners all over the world who can listen to the live stream. Well, that would be excellent. Actually, Diffusion is podcast around the world if anybody's, list- if anybody's listening in. Uh, if you want to hear us, you can go to diffusionradio.com. But today's not plug- about plugging Diffusion, is it? It's about plugging a 2SCR subscriber drive. So if you're interested in uh, some of the things we've just mentioned, give us a call, 9514-9500, or subscribe at helloradiomyoldfriend.com.au. Now, Victoria, you recently had a chat about the love drug. What is, uh, what is the love drug? Is, is love just a sickness of the brain? Well, I spoke to an endocrinologist at Nepean Hospital, Dr. Bernard Champion, and he told me all about this hormone that's been um, dubbed by the media to be the love hormone. So let's hear what he has to say. 
I'm Bernard Champion, Victoria. I'm an endocrinologist. I work for the University of Sydney at uh, Sydney Medical School in the Pan. Um, yeah, it's probably about, about all. <laughs> that sounds good. So tell me, Dr. Champion, um, what is oxytocin? We, we've heard in the media that it's been dubbed the love drug, quote-unquote, but what's its actual role medically in the body? Uh, well, oxytocin is a, a hormone, and it's a hormone secreted uh, in the hypothalamus, well, made in the hypothalamus and secreted from the posterior pituitary gland, also called the neurohypophysis. And um, it's one of two hormones that come from that part of the pituitary, the other being vasopressin. Um, it's a nine amino acid nonopeptide, and um, its its role in a strict sense, is uh, essentially uh, in childbirth, uh, in the induction and maintenance of labour, uh, and in breastfeeding, in milk letdown. Um, and that's fairly well understood and, and established, and it's used therapeutically. Um, it's used therapeutically sometimes to induce delayed labour. That's right. Um, in terms of its other roles, um, they're a bit more controversial, and I, I dare say you want to ask me a bit about that. That's I'm right. I'm not sure if you want me to keep talking or you'd like to ask some questions. Oh, well, uh, maybe I'll butt in and ask you, um, uh, do, do men produce oxytocin? Yeah, look, men and women produce uh, you know, all, all hormones. Uh, it's just that they, I mean, so men produce estrogen, women produce testosterone. It's just that they produce them in different amounts. Um, men probably produce less oxytocin than women. All right. And uh, what are some of those controversial roles you alluded to earlier? Um, there is a lot of animal data and some human data uh, and sort of experimental model data on oxytocin having roles in uh, sexual function, mm -hmm. either actual uh, physical sort of biophysical aspects of sexual function such as sperm and egg transport or perhaps on arousal functions and on orgasm. Uh, there is data on it having roles in memory and um, it, again and this is largely theoretical data so this is not, not fact um, but you know, it's theoretical uh, well, sort of theories that perhaps higher levels impair most memory forms, particularly data uh, retrieval. So could it be literally that love is blind? Um, I think it's more probably the explanation why theoretically women might not be as good at finding their car in the car park, <laughs> if you baby believe brain. that. <laughs> there is some data that it enhances some uh, aspects of memory, and they are memories such as um, facial re recall, so recognition and recall of faces, things like so-called empathic memory. But in terms of so sort of hard data memory, you know, facts, figures, um, directions, things like that, it seems to have a, an inhibiting effect. Um, and it may have an effect on increasing feelings of trust, bonding, social interaction, empathy, and perhaps inhibiting uh, some of the systems that lead to stress responses, so particularly the um, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal system of uh, essentially leading to release of cortisol, 
and the sympathetic nervous system. So, you know, there are theories that it may have a role in dampening those fight, you know, for traditional fight, uh, flight, fright responses mm. so and upregulating the, um, uh, what they call tend and befriend responses, but, you know, warm, fuzzy feelings. So, yeah, that may be where the sort of love is blind type um, saying arises. Okay, that's very interesting. Now, that's the first part of this. Uh, we're going to come back uh, in just a moment with the second part of that interview. But now, really, we need to have a bit of a word from our sponsors. And our sponsors, well, our sponsors this week are essentially you. If you call us on 95149500, you can help uh, keep 2SER on air. Now, 2SER gets a certain part of its funding from uh, the federal government and possibly even the state government, but not a lot. The main reason why we stay on air is because... Well, because of you, our lovely subscribers. Have you guys both subscribed yet? I know I did. Oh, yes. I've subscribed. And I have to say that now that we're entering this discussion of oxytocin and fostering these feelings of trust and tenderness in you, we should really try to plug some, some more subscribing from you to us and to 2SER because where else really can you hear such great science straight from the scientists to you? That's right. And, of course, one of the other important factors of friendship and trust in relationships is reciprocation. Oh, that's right. So, Ian, you're calling for them to reciprocate our love that we give them every week? That's right. Show us your love. Don't just tell us. Show us. Ring us up and tell us, and then show us by subscribing. I'd actually like a phone call. Even if you called in and said, no, nah, I don't want to pay, I'd like a phone call. But yeah. I'd quite like you to pay. But you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ring us up on 95149500 and tell us what you think. And tell us who's listening and who we should be shouting out to. Because that's a reciprocal, lovely gesture from us to you. That's true. If you call in, we'll give you a shout-out. And also, you've got that guaranteed uh, cuddle from me. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it might, might be your to, more to your taste, and I haven't discussed this with Ian and Victoria. They might give you a cuddle as well. But we might uh, might be something to discuss. And uh, speaking of, of giving gestures, for every subscriber pack, whether it's a concession, a working, a passionate, an artist, a business, a lifetime, you will be getting a fantastic mix CD from Spunk Records. So thank you to our friends at Spunk Records for perpetuating this giving gesture. It's an awesome thing, and you also get an instant entry into the draw for the big prize of a trip for two to Malaysia. That's true. And, uh, and you also guaranteed a couple of editions of Time Out Sydney which I think is fantastic. That's got uh, an awful lot of gigs, uh, a, a gig guide for Sydney and all the happenings in this fair town. So now we've, uh, you know, called for your love. Let's have a listen to the second part of Victoria's interview on the love drug. So is there any scientific basis in these online companies that sell vials of supposedly oxytocin make you more attractive to your potential partner? No, not really, no. Um, this is largely based on, on, as I said, animal models and, and data and conflicting data, but studies showing that oxytocin levels may be increased um, with sexual arousal in humans and post-orgasm. Um, but my understanding is there are no good... And a lot of this is in the psychological literature, so they've done various psychological testing of emotions and... Um, Fear and um, and memory, uh, and done them in men and women, done them before and after administration of oxytocin, and and showing that it may enhance some of those um, those that that data and those outcomes. 
my understanding is there isn't any hard data that it actually changes you know, significantly sexual outcomes or the sort of uh, things you refer to, such as uh, the ability to to find and keep a partner. <laughs> to be attractive. <laughs> and I, I guess I'd say with all these things, I mean, it's an evolving area, um, but look, a couple of things to say is that it's not absorbed orally. I mean, it's broken down in the gut, so you know a tablet isn't going to work. Um, it can be given in an injected form or a spray, but it literally lasts for minutes and has a very short half-life. Type hormones, its role is in fairly short-term functions. Um, so even if it makes you attractive to a partner, that might be in the very short term. Um, doesn't necessarily help a, a lifetime <laughs> of uh, attachment. And and the other thing is that it doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier, so that even if you do. Um, you know, take an intranasal spray that bypasses the GI problem, there may not be much of it going to the brain. That's really interesting. So, so that may explain partly why um, it doesn't seem to have a lot of therapeutic effects. The other interesting area is that apparently there are some studies that may ameliorate um, autistic behaviours and there are some uh, genetic models of families with you know, high rates of autism who have a, a deletion for the oxytocin gene. So again, you know, this is a sort of theory that lower levels of oxytocin might um, be associated with sort of increased male you know, tendencies, fight, yeah, fight, fright, flight type tendencies, uh, and and autism itself. There are theories that you know, again, theories that it might be based around testosterone levels. But um, uh, so that, that's another interesting area. That, but again, my and I'm, I'm not a neurologist, but I'm not aware of of you know, any major organizations that are using it for treatment of autism. That's very interesting. So it's almost like a socializing drug more than a... Well, yeah, that's, that's right. There are theories that it, it has a role in increasing socializing behavior, and you know, women apparently more than men, particularly under stress, have a tendency to to seek out group comfort and group interaction and group counsel uh, under conditions of stress. Men tend to actually have a greater tendency to, to isolate themselves and separate from groups. Fantastic. That, that's well described in the psychological literature. And I, look, I guess, uh, sorry, Victoria, oh, the yeah, other yeah. thing I will say is that it has no mainstream um, use in, in endocrinology. I mean, it's used in, as you know, in obstetric medicine. Um, and I always have a note of, note of caution for everyone that if there is a buck to be made out of something, then someone will want to make that, that buck. And so if it was... You know, if it really made a major difference in terms of some of the behaviours we talked about, um, for instance, improving sexual function, I have no doubt that someone would have picked it up and, and be marketing it. So um, I always take with a grain of salt the sort of um, uh, less rigorous scientific trials that might suggest it will have a major benefit, but it certainly has an interesting role and, um, and that probably should be researched further. Thank you very much. Sure. All right. Thanks, Victoria. That was a really interesting interview, and it's uh, thank you very much for that, Victoria. I, I'm quite interested by the link between uh, oxytocin and baby brain. This being something you know prevalent in my house at the moment. Well, not me, but uh, <laughs> what what can you tell me a little bit more about this? And and there's also a link to recognition of faces. Yeah, that's right. So uh, as Dr. Champion was saying earlier, um, it seems to work deleteriously in, in the formation of hard fact memories, but it, it seems to reinforce this memory of um, 
faces and and that's probably in vain with the promotion of bonding in a young mother with her baby well they say yeah they say that um when a when a baby is born there's a release of oxytocin in the brain um, but there was also a really interesting point in there that he said that it, uh, oxytocin also doesn't cause a lifetime attachment. It only has a very short uh, active life. But they seem, these uh, two things seem to be counterintuitive. Uh, do you know, were they said in different contexts? Well, I, I suppose um, it is integral to the birthing process, as was mentioned in the interview. The oxytocin is responsible for uterine contractions, and it's also responsible um, for for lactation. So without oxytocin, you just can't have the survival of the baby. I think it works on a short term to promote this memory, but memory itself can can be perpetuated for an entire lifetime. So it, you can have it both ways. You can have a short action of, an, of a hormone, but a long-lasting neuroplasticity that results from the action of the hormone. Exactly. And if you feel that love for somebody, whether it's for, for a baby or a partner or, or someone you've just met, then as Victoria says, you've one, you've got that memory and two, that's going to trigger other things. And then you're going to change your behavior, which is going to trigger and there's going to be a whole lot of cascading events as a result of maybe only a minute of oxytocin. That's right. So this, uh, just to sort of change tact a little bit, but is this this might be one of the fears of recreational drug use, is it? That you can have something that, that, that lasts, that's good at the time or whatever, but then maybe it forms, it can help form memories that are unnatural or do other things in your brain and then that f- the flow-on effects uh, could change your life. Is this one of the fears or is this, are we talking a minor thing here? I think one of the main fears of substance abuse is how it changes this um, the neural pathways in your brain. So if you, we were t- speaking earlier in the studio of dopamine, which is part of the reward system in your brain. Dopamine gets released and you feel good. People take drugs that cause them to relieve, release more dopamine. And as a result of that, the receptors in your brain get downregulated. You have fewer of them. They're less sensitive because you're bombarding them with too much dopamine. And as a result, you end up building something called tolerance, which is to say you need more dopamine to feel as good as you felt last week without taking the drug. And eventually that's what can cause withdrawal symptoms as well. Okay. Now, I hope uh, none of our listeners are getting withdrawal from diffusion because we're here every week, but we're not increasing the dose. So hopefully we're non-addictive, but uh, we might be. If you would like to show your love and get a natural high from oxytocin and dopamine, Give us a call, 95149500, that, or get on the web, helloradiomyoldfriend.com.au. So what do you guys think of sex? Uh, I'm guessing, you know, presumably you quite like it. Well, Darren Osborne and myself took to the pub to ask Sydney punters what they think of sex. I think that men want sex more than women. And, and what's led you to that conclusion? Oh, just the studies I've heard in the media reports. No personal experience though? No, no, no scientific personal experience. <laughs> is there anything that you've read from science that has improved um, your sex life? Uh, yes, the thing is that it seems to be an important uh, component of living a healthy life and a balanced life. There was that uh, book that came out recently, I can't remember its name, I think it's The Origin of Sex, and it was about the um, unnatural nature of monogamy. That was really sweet. The unnatural nature of monogamy? Yes, it believed that um, 
prior to an agrarian culture, um, monogamy wasn't actually something that was understood because we didn't understand the nature of husbandry. Okay. So that it was a relatively modern concept. So pairing up is like a, a cultural thing, not a... Uh, a recent cultural thing. A recent, a recent cultural, cultural thing. thing. Yeah, a recent cultural thing. Okay. Prior to that, we didn't actually get how it worked. So it was like, form a cue. In either direction. Do you know what? In either we're direction. People were a bit... They'd have died really early. Like yes. Living to 100 is a bit different to... If I was going to die at 20, I was going out with a bag. There's a study... There's a study out of China that suggests the more you earn, the more likely your female partner is to have an orgasm. Have you, uh, have, you, have you felt a change throughout your student life and then into your working life as you've earned more money? Nah, flowers don't cost that much. <laughs> it's only 25 bucks. <laughs> Jesus. It's not, not that big of a jump for me. <laughs> you don't go from spending 25 to 100, you just stay with the 25 one. Cute personality. I think the cuteness is very underrated. Cuteness is one of the most attractive features in the entire world. All about cuteness. Do, do you think that men and women actually subconsciously think about offspring, about the the, the kids that they might produce when they're meeting? All, um, I sure as hell don't. I won't lie to you. I, personally, I think that it's not about the length or the width or the. It's about the way that the guy actually performs. As opposed to like length width, 15 centimeters, is that what you're talking about? So yeah, I, I don't know. I think if a guy has talent, he will be able to make love to you no matter what. Okay, well throughout life I look for a girl that is structured in her own little way. Um, I look for a girl that's very sexy, hot. Um, she's extremely beautiful and... She has her own... Well, she can tell me what to do. Physical is really what it's all about. Any reaction to anyone is the physical reaction. It's not going to be a mental reaction. You could see someone walk into a room and say, oh my God, who the fuck is that guy? But it's not until you actually meet him that you get a mental reaction. So, yeah, it's all about the physical. And there you go. We probably should have put a uh, an advisory notice on that for the language. But some people do get a little passionate when they talk about sex. You can find a longer version of that at beerdrinkingscientists.com. Now, Ian, tell me a little bit about the psychoactive compounds present in semen. Well, of course, we need to start with oxytocin. Oxytocin is actually present in semen. And that's part of why there's a spike of oxytocin directly after sex. Right. Because there really is. Now, in 1983, they discovered that compounds from semen are absorbed through the walls of the vagina and can be detected in a woman's bloodstream just a few hours after sex. So, Professor Gallup from the State University of New York has compiled this list of compounds. 80% of semen is made up of the amino acid L-arginine, which is the building blocks of proteins. L-arginine is found in protein foods, with the promise that it will build muscle tone and burn fat fast, increases blood flow and soothes pain. Semen also contains the amino acid tyrosine, first discovered in cheese. Tyrosine is converted by the body into adrenaline and noradrenaline, which arouse you to fight or flight, and dopamine, which your brain uses to reward you with a warm inner glow where you're satisfied. Semen contains the male hormone testosterone, which in men and women lifts libido, energy and immune function. 
It also protects against osteoporosis. Semen's also laced with female hormones. Like, what are these doing in there? It contains estrogen and estrone, used to regulate the menstrual cycle and pregnancy, follicle-stimulating hormone, and luteinizing hormone, which starts ovulation and sexual arousal, thyrotropin-releasing hormone, and prolactin, which causes milk production. These hormones also make you feel happier. What a coincidence. And at last, semen contains beta-endorphin, enkephalin, and transcortin opioids, all of which work in the brain to kill pain and lower anxiety. So there you go. It lowers anxiety, lifts your mood, gives you a warm inner glow, and makes you feel more trusting and happier. Who knew? We had a, we had a wonder drug the entire time. And Yeah, well, I can imagine... <laughs> Look, I mean, we're in a we're in a child friendly time slot, so you know, there's there's only so much you can say. But I can imagine, you know, a guy saying, "Come on, it's good for you," or something along those lines. I don't encourage that, but uh, but yes, thank you, <laughs> thanks very much for that, Ian. And that, unfortunately, is all the time we have for the subscriber edition of Diffusion, Sydney's favourite old science show. If you would like more information about any of the topics on tonight's show or to listen back via podcast, get over to www.diffusionradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Today, Diffusion has been hosted by myself, Mark West, produced by Victoria Bond, and comment on semen and other topics has been provided by Ian Wolfe. And don't forget to subscribe to 2SCR. Give us a call. You've got a couple of minutes left. You can give us a call on 9514-9500 or you can subscribe online at helloradiomyoldfriend.com.au. Subscribing helps keep independent radio on air. You'll be hard-pressed to find quality science radio in Australia outside of the ABC. Generally, community radio stations house this type of broadcasting. And as Diffusion is a relatively small operation, we can respond to listener questions in a personal way. Each member of the team is an actual trained or working scientist, as opposed to a journalist, which means that we can bring authority to the topics at hand, as well as having access to Australia's best scientists, as evidenced today with Victoria's interviews. So on that note, have yourself a wonderful evening. We are going out to What Is This Thing Called Love? by Ella Fitzgerald. Cheers. Why should it make a oh.